welcome to my Real Estate Mistakes podcast. My name is DeQuincy Edwards. And I'm Chauncey Hilliard. And this is part two of the 2022 uh, market forecast. Uh, in the first part, we was talking about increasing construction and lead time. And also, we talked about locking in your interest rate and purchasing power. So in this episode, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, multi-office situations. If you're trying to buy a house in any market in America right now, you're going to run into multi-office situations. And um, personally, Chauncey can tell you a lot about multi-office situations. I mean, I mean, he was telling me back in the day, y'all was writing letters to the sellers and stuff. Oh, it's to the day, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're still writing letters to the sellers that, like, you want to make sure that you take advantage of every option that you have. So, yeah, writing letters to the seller is something that most people don't think it worked. But we actually, one of my classmates was the first person that actually did it. And you'd be surprised at what people can identify with. Like, I, you pull out all stops when we talk about writing letters, too. So, um, I want to know your story. I want to make sure they get to know you. Let's think about it like this. Somebody, uh, you're a seller. You have multiple all. You have multiple people actually bidding on your house. So let's say you got ten offers, right? So you're looking at offers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and you got a letter that's attached to it. You know, no longer looking at them as far as numbers. You actually know you're relating to Larry. You're relating to Sally. They're moving here because they want to be closer to their family. They 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 left here. They, you they, you give them a situation. So you kind of pulling in uh, a personal attachment to it versus just looking at the standard offer. Yeah, so like Chauncey dabbles more into multi-office situation because what I do is I do more new construction. We don't have that situation, new construction. Builders just have a way for you to present the offer. Uh, right now, builders just going, they're just sticking with their preferred lenders. They're not taking any outside lenders. If they are taking an outside lender, they're not, getting, they're not doing no appraisal contingency. They don't care if your your lender appraiser didn't come in and right. That's what they're gonna sell the building for. So what we're doing now in new construction is basically just telling everybody, hey, this house is getting brick and sheetrock. It's probably gonna be on the market in the next thirty days. This our preferred lender. We're gonna go to our preferred lender list first to see who qualify for this house and call those agents first. If we don't get it sold by then, then we're gonna put it to the open market. So for us, we just have procedures now how we do take offers now. Uh, we're not just you know. Anybody walking in, you, back in the day, you could just walk into the builder's offer. And I want to buy lot 22, put this house on it. We write a contract, call it a day, call you when it's done. Nah, that, those days are over. Right now, we're going on our pre-sold list. We're going to let people know. Even Builders not even releasing prices yet. They're not releasing prices until it's like 80% done. So we're just telling you a range we think the house is going to be in, what the range we need to get your client to pre approve for this model. And when we're ready to put on the market, we give you guys the opportunity first because you don't want to hit the open market because anybody can come with cash or comes with ridiculous terms and you out of the way. And you've been waiting on this house to be built for six to, six to nine months. So, so yeah, so the ways that we were running offers, we did, we sold uh, a lot of homes last year. And we look at an average as a whole is that you're, uh, it's about eight to $9,000 in our market. The highest one that we had was $47,000 over list price. So when clients tell me that they're going to go in at list price, you're not going to win the offer. So that's the first number one thing is, I got a is, question. is that. I got a question. The one that was 47, was it cash or would it, did it guarantee the 47? Or? Well, they guarantee, but we're talking about like an eight, nine hundred thousand dollar house. Okay. So they guarantee that, honestly, let's go all the way back. They actually put $40,000 in North Carolina. It's called due diligence fee. 
They okay. didn't put any earnest money down. The difference between due diligence fee and an earnest money is the earnest money, like Quincy said in the previous episode, is that that goes to the attorney's office. A due diligence fee is that I guarantee I'm going to buy your house in 35 days, and if I don't, you keep $40,000. So they put a $40,000 due diligence fee, so they wrote this check out to the seller. They didn't write it out to the attorney's office. So during the 35 days, that person already cashed that money, that the money was gone. So they in hopes that this house right here will close. Do that money go towards the sale? Yeah. So when okay. you yeah, if you if you close, but if you didn't make that closing date in thirty five days, then you lost forty grand. Woo! So y'all can play about five hundred dollars yeah. earnest money. Y'all <laughs> yeah. want to go to one five hundred? He got a client putting forty thousand dollars down. Yeah. Man. So you can't compete with that client because <laughs> that client was moving from D.C. They mm. sold their house in D.C. and they brought they brought the money down here, so they had the actual cash to put down in it and. They wanted to be in this neighborhood, this area, and they, they, they that's how that's what you're competing with. So when you're actually your first time home buyer and you competing with somebody who's moving into an area that they came from an area that's more expensive, they coming after it. Yeah. So that's what we kind of tell you is that like we had with them, we had lo- you, you is it very much so encouraged to have local lenders. Because when you have those big national lenders that you can't get the person on the phone, you lose offers. Cash at convention, though, is one of those major things. I was just about to ask you that. So I want you to explain to the people about how the type of financing can make you lose a deal, too. Yeah, so let's say this right here for the basic uh, kind of type of financing, some other financing, but for the basic, when you're purchasing the house, it's FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, and cash. Yeah. So when you're looking at uh, FHA and VA, they're government-backed loans. They have a very negative connotation behind it as far as that your credit score has to be low. Not necessarily true, but that's just what it is, is that someone that has a conventional loan, it is known that they actually have a better uh, credit score. So when they're looking at it, someone thinks that they're actually a lot more responsible and they're able to close. Because let me explain to you, FHA was designed by the government because a lot of people had to bring 20% to the table to buy houses. So FHA became into play because it only required you a 3.5% down payment to bring you home. And when you had to bring the convention, you need a higher credit score. FHA starts at 580, or I have seen even 500 credit scores. Mm -hmm. So that program was to help first-time homebuyers who didn't have the much down payment to come and also had a lot of debt because you could scratch out the debt-to-income ratios or FHA than conventional. So that's the stigma on FHA loans. It's probably a first-time home buyer or somebody who couldn't afford this house without this program. And you have a lot of more regulations on the house you can buy, the condition is in, the appraisal rules, and et cetera. So that's why if I'm selling my house, I don't want to go through an FHA loan because that's a lot of more red tape. And it might be a buyer who's not the best buyer for my property. You got to put yourself in the seller's shoes. I know it's hurt your feelings when they say they don't want FHA loans. We got to put yourself in when you're the seller. You want the best buyer that can close the easiest to buy your property because nine times out of ten, you're moving to another property you have to buy. So my biggest thing is what I tell my clients is looking at is that when you, you're looking at nine offers, right? So I say it's like you go, I say when you're doing that, I tell my clients all the time, you speed date it. You're trying to figure out which person is going to be the like best that. one. Like that. and th- yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, you speed dating. You're trying to figure out which one is the best client. So you want to make sure you got 
30 seconds to impress this person. Yes. So you want to make sure that you have your best kind of suit on, your best moves, your best everything on in these 30 seconds. Because once they choose one out of eight offers, I call it, that's when you get married. Because once you go under contract with the person, that's when everything changes. Everyone always say, I ain't married yet, but I heard every, it changes once you get married. <laughs> so once you go under contract with the person, then that's when life kind of situation, because not only, they, it's no longer speed day no more. It's me and you. It's me and you together. You yes. try to close this house in 30 days. I don't wasted 14 days of it. So if I need $3,500, I need $3,500 because, you know, you don't want to go back on the open market and speed date again. You'd rather close in 14 days and give me $3,500. So how I tell my clients is that before the COVID, what we did, we negotiated up front. Now we negotiated after we go in the contract because we didn't knock everybody out the speed date. We're on one-on-one dating right now. We married now. So let's make sure that we divorce really, really well. Yeah, like and, and you got to change that. You got to pivot it because back then you wanted to – it's not a back and forth no more. Yeah. You have to put your best offer forward, mm-hmm. and hopefully you have an agent that can guide you and get you a due yeah. diligence. You don't you want to be quiet. You want to be the best client before they sign the contract. I, hey, I know your house leaning a little bit. <laughs> I know you got these green cabinets. I know this doorknob don't work. Don't worry about it. We good. <laughs> then you want to get under contract, do your due diligence, then ask for that stuff like Chikosanchi said. Even I had, even though I had eight other offers, yep. I done lost about 20, 25 days. Yep. So those offers might not be there anymore, mm-hmm. but my timeline might be shortened now because I have to go to another property. Agreed. So I'm stuck with you. Yep. So that's why you want to have your best offer in front because it's no mm-hmm. more negotiating with somebody about price and stuff like that. Just tell your client, we need to get under contract and worry about that later. Let's do some due diligence and have some good points. Hey, our home inspector came out here. You do need to fix that door. You do need to uh, uh, fix that cabinet door and that kind of stuff. So, like you said, that was yeah. That so, was that's what we do now is that we send our trained eyes in there. Yeah, we know this cabinet was leaning, but we know the cabinet was leaning because the floor was leaning. There you but go. Once you spent seeing your home inspector in there and he's guarantee you, I call that a trained eye. Me right here is naked eye. Me and you can go in here and say that we know what it is. But when you hire a professional, they're trained to actually spot these things out. And once we get that information, then we use that with our contractor, pair it together, and submit that invoice to the actual uh, seller. And the seller may know that something is off, but they're easy to negotiate at that time versus before. But that's where we're running into situations that clients want to negotiate everything up front because they friend that bought a house in 2019 is telling them how to buy a house in 2022. Again, you got to dump all the information you did before because times have changed and adapt the new actual time. We sold more houses in 2021 than we sold in 2020 because our team is actually able to adapt to what the new current market uh, circumstances are. And another another way to win situations of multi-offer speed. If everybody asks for 10 business days to do diligence, ask for five. Like, you know you got to hire a home inspector. Have that already set up. Like, can you get out here Wednesday? Let's figure this thing out. I'm not trying to hold your house hostage. Hey, let's get this appraisal order. You want to show, hey, I might not, you might not have enough, enough money, but you might have the speed aspect. Like, hey, we going to get in, get inside your house and get you back. Because sellers are worrying about two things. They're worrying about the appraisal and they're worrying about the repair denim. I agree. That's the only thing they're worrying about. If you give them the repair denim and they're fine with that, 
you really the praise are really out of both of you guys' hand. It's really a, just a third party opinion. But the repair denim is something you want to make sure you get done and get in and get out with that stuff. Agree 100%. So you want to make sure that you're able to get out of there. Another thing that is a key, but we understand you're going to have to have money saved. I think we talked about it before that you have to have good credit or you got to have money saved. In this and there, you got to have both because what you're running into, sellers is not paying closing costs anymore. No. They're not even paying nowhere near. Now, it is not something that we adapted after that we had a recession in 2008 that sellers paid closing costs so that they can actually move the property. But if you got eight people coming to offer you, I'm not giving you $500 for closing costs because I got seven other people saying that we'll give you full price. Please let us have this house. So closing costs right now, you're going to have to take that to yourself. I don't know if it's actually going to go back. I mean, before the it's like especially in certain areas like Columbia, South Carolina, they actually had closing costs that uh, was associated with the sale of their properties. In Charlotte, we never had closing costs. That wasn't a lot, a kind of area uh, that we had closing costs. And let me put on my uh, my dad Stefan Edwards hat. Closing costs is real money, people. <laughs> that is a real cost, okay? And it's not the seller's cost. Yeah. It's your cost. Agreed. It's, it's your buyer fees. It's your finance, your lender fees. It's your attorney fees. It's your insurance. It's your prepaid. That's not on the seller. So you thinking you're just going to get an extra four or $5,000 from the seller, that's coming out his proceeds. Mm-hmm. That's real money he's selling. So your, your offer not going to get an, – an, Closing costs is like the second thing they look for in the contract. Like when Charles was in the offer, he said, "Hey, they came in at list price, but they want five thousand. That's probably the second sentence you tell your. Mm, that's the first. Like, they ain't even second. Like, yeah. like list price, and they want five thousand dollars closing cost. Yeah, because honestly, <laughs> when you're talking to your seller, you're talking about net. Yeah. So yeah, I don't care what the price come in at. When you're asking for concessions, that's a negative. Like I mean, that's simple arithmetic. There is that you asking five thousand dollars. I don't care. You came in at one seventy five. You guys are five thousand dollars all. I mean, for closing concessions, you technically giving me an offer for one seventy. Yeah. You want to help that ask your lender what they can do. I mean, what can y'all do to help me with these closing costs? What what can I do? Can I get some cheaper insurance? Can I get this? Can I uh uh can I? You got any incentives? I mean, you gotta you gotta ask yourself the question because closing costs is a real cost, but it's not a seller's cost. It's Another a thing that closing costs too is to think about it is that that's why you work with a local lender. When you're working with these big institutions such as like um, I don't like saying names, but you work with your big banks. They got national commercials. Yeah, they they actually take a lot to move their process. So. They, they got to pay for their head office, their sub office. Their, they got a whole employee sales system they got to run. When you work with a local office, typically sometimes their closing costs is a lot less expensive because to move their car, to move their engine around is going to take less gas. So let's say your big institution, the closing cost is $7,500. Sometimes you go to your small local institution, like closing costs be $3,500 versus $7,000. And if you are a first-time home buyer, you don't have a lot of reserves saved up, that's the that's a big difference. $3,500 in closing costs that save you, that can get you to compete with offer because you don't have to ask the seller for closing costs. Yeah. So that's why getting with a really good professional that knows the tricks of the trade to kind of make sure your offer looks the best it can is very important because you're going to run into a lot of issues when the, your, your professional is not 
understanding what the today's market is. You guys, when our students about that, they they did that. They went to a local bank <laughs> and they see how much they save on that new deal. <laughs> so oh no, we gonna ask you gonna ask that same question to them and let you know, like yeah, yeah, like. Local a little cheaper than national. Yeah, it's, it ain't a they little, have, it's a lot. Yeah, they know about the, they know about the Columbia pockets. Like, <laughs> I don't have New York pockets. I got Agreed. Columbia pockets. Yeah, so. so it's it's a big difference when you're looking at that. Is that that closing cost is significant difference between a local lender and a thing. So those tricks will get you into a house. So um, let's 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 kind of run it down about what the, what the offer need to be. We need you need to have a clean offer. So what I mean by that is. Uh, Ask your lender how quick can you really close. Mm-hmm. Like you need to have your stuff in line. Like your um, not be pre-approved, be pre-qualified, be fully qualified. All right. So the big difference between so uh, uh, pre-qualified is when the lender pull your credit and you gave them your information. Yes. Pre-approved is that you already went through initial underwriting, so they didn't verify your taxes, your bank statements, and everything. The underwriter came back with conditions. The big difference between the two is that we're running to this thing when people actually use repair credit things and get things taken off their credit, and they go and get their CAVERS report. CAVERS is the go- you, especially people who get government money. CAVERS is a report that tells you how much you owe on them student loans. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of people don't say, oh, those student loans are not on my credit, so I should be good, so I don't have no student loans. No, baby. Your student loans are on there. It's on your KWIS report. So we get a lot of clients that already pull. So if you actually pull it, pre, uh, if you pull that actual report initially going through the pre-approval process, then you will actually be, you, the seller would know that you went through these conditions. Because of most of your pre-qualified uh, letters, they say that, Depending on tax returns, depending on verified income, depending on that. But when you actually get pre-qualified, I mean pre-approved, then that's when you don't have that stuff pending. That stuff has been verified and you're good to go. Yeah. So having your stuff together, basically. Uh, having some money saved because you have to put a nicer down, earnest money. You have to put, you got to have repair, uh, due diligence money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you got to have closing cost money these days. Yeah, because I mean, get yeah, before you used to actually can put down probably about uh, $500. Right now, the average earnest money on like anything under 250 is probably 1000 to $2,000 versus before you could put down $500. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, home inspection fees has increased. HVAC expenses has increased. Termite expenses has increased. So all that stuff has increased in mm-hmm. prices as well. So we just, we just. We and just it, I think everyone And also, listening. hold on. Before you say, leave a thought. Also, have your realtor actually call. Like, I, I'm not an old school realtor, but I was in real estate when we had to call people. People was not big on texting. Sometimes you got to call an agent and ask what offer they're looking for. Mm-hmm. That could be advantage. Like, agents don't, like, are you looking for, a, do you have to move? Do you need, you're not asking what kind of money you're looking for. You just asking, hey, do they need to move quickly? Do, are they buying another property? So you have they, they have to the close. Back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they do they need flexible terms like you buy the property and they need to lease it back for you for seven to ten days? Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff you can ask the other agent so your offer can stick out because sometimes you'll lose it not because you wasn't the highest it just make they couldn't move that. Early. It just wasn't a good fit. Yeah, exactly. So I think what everyone's I, I get this a lot is that 
you you're not gonna buy nothing because it's so much competition now. So you're gonna rather stay in pretty much the rat race. I had a client the other day that I had to kind of have a, a come to Jesus meet, meeting with them because because obstacles come and things like this happen. Most people start to back up and don't accomplish your goals because of it. I would never let that deter me from actually buying a house. If I got to get stepped in the face 20 times and then I, on the 20th time I buy my house, I'll do it because let me, let's me let put this in perspective. If you would have bought this house with these actual multiple offers six months ago, right now you got $25,000, $30,000 extra in your account because you have equity in the house. Yeah. So competing is not a bad thing because it's, it's just you gotta gotta trust yourself that you're gonna find the right one. So we have people drop out, and we tell you up front like it's gonna be hard to find a house right now. But is it impossible? No, you can definitely still get it. And you, it's the best security out there to have a mortgage right now. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something: the single family rental market is about to go. It's away. not even single family; it's all the I rental mean, market. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's literally mm-hmm. if it's not an apartment complex. But that might go away too because with short-term rentals and the value people are getting from there, people are either selling their properties to stop renting to you guys or they selling somebody like us that we're not even going to do long-term rentals. We're going to do short-term. So the best thing, like Chauncey said, just go through that and compete for your offer, compete for your house. You might get kicked down nine or ten times, but I trust me, when you get it for the eleventh time, it's gonna be all worth it. You're gonna be smaller than the closing table. And I guarantee you probably twelve months from now, you'll be like, boy, I'm so glad I got this house. It's not the street they selling this house for another twenty, thirty five thousand dollars higher than I paid for. Yeah. And, and that's what my biggest thing is another thing too that a lot of people don't understand is that backup offers. What we're doing a lot now is telling the uh the when they actually do accept another offer is that hey, we're waiting in the next position if you guys uh, offer fall through. Just like we say, I don't care sometimes life happens. I don't care you choose the best out of eight offers. Like we had a deal, the person caught COVID and they decided they weren't gonna move down south anymore. Exactly. We had a deal that uh, the finance had fell through with the buyer and our client was the next person they call and they can close in 14 days. So they decided to go with us too as well. So. When you lose something, I always say is that if you really, really want something or something meant for you to happen, it'll circle back or the next best thing is going to happen. It's going to be better than what the first one was. But I think a lot of people just take a knock in the face and then they just want to get down and stay down. I always say is that when you get a knock in the face, you get back up and you fight the next day. Yeah, because I had a friend in the Atlanta market that got knocked down 10, 10, 12 times, but she got a house this week. And mm-hmm. now she happy and it's one of the nicest homes she ever got and a better price range and it was more flexible. So you just got to, you got to, you got to deal with rejection. You got to okay? deal with rejection. It, I mean, you're going to get rejected sometimes, but you got to get a house because I'm guaranteeing you uh, inventory is not come back soon. We already about a million and a half homes behind of what the market really needs. Uh, people like my father and stuff are, are retiring out of construction. Construction used to be like a, a, a lot of people going to that field from high school and college. Now people don't want to do the heat, don't be outside to do all this construction work. So the inventory, the supply is, is low. So like Chauncey said, just make sure you got an agent that's going to fight for you, going to tell you the real, and be prepared to make your best offer one time. You got a one-time shot for this, okay? Yeah. You don't, you don't think about, hey, we can go in and maybe they can meet us in the whip. That's old school negotiation right now. Yeah. If you see a house that you like, 
and you didn't see houses that you've been missing out on because there's a lot of people in your price range in your area. So if you see a house, go for it and get it. Agree 100%. I think that these tips right here is a way that you can win the offer, but we want to make sure that you guys are aware that it is about long-term wealth. I don't care if you look at statistics of homes right now. They double in value every 10 to 15 years. What people get discouraged is when they look at when the market had a recession in 2008. If you look at those prices, we would surpass that market 10 years later that uh, we actually, the prices were more than what the 2008, 2009 recession was. So let's say if you bought a house in 2007 that was 100,000, that house right now is definitely worth $200,000 thing because the house doubling in value. Mm -hmm. So what we want to say is that the recession happened, yes. It was a key component and is an issue at that time. And if you didn't take advantage of that in that 10 years, then try to take advantage of the next 10, 15, 20 years. Because what we're saying is that interest rates were at a historical low ever during the uh, uh, pandemic. Now interest rates are creeping back up to what normal levels are. So that was one of the reasons why people was actually going. Now we have a housing shortage. Yes. So you want to make sure that you are aware that it's still a good thing to buy a house. It's still something that you should strive for because I don't care what you want to say is that your rent rate, like our rent on one of my properties went up $350 in one year. And it is, it, it's a demand for it. Yeah. And luckily, I'm just a good um, a landlord that my tenants that were there <laughs> a long period of time, I did not increase their rate. But one of my tenants are leaving now, and the same commercial building that was rented for this amount is going to have a $350, I mean, $350 a month uh, increase in rent rate just because there's a demand there. Yeah. So, like, like, like I said, just remember... Get the mortgage because when I about 2015, 2016, your payment will be a thousand dollars. Whoa, Lord, a thousand dollar payment. I don't know how I'm going for a thousand dollar payment. The people who bought their house that they glad they got a thousand dollar payment. They are jumping up and down for that thousand dollar payment. Yeah. They so happy because that is a fixed payment. You got to realize your payment today is going to feel like chump change in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, 10, think about it, it's a 30 year mortgage in 10, 20 years, you'll be like, it wasn't even that bad. Yeah, you'll be like, how and much your, your mortgage? And your next door neighbor mortgage is double the amount. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not, yeah, your next door neighbor mortgage is double the amount. So, so that's yeah, something to so take yeah, get, get the nicest house you can because it's going to go up in value, but it's going up in value. Your mortgage going down. It's going to be one of the biggest assets you have in your life. So. Agree 100%. So still go after it. Don't let that those slaps in the face. When you fall down, you get back up. I think that's the major thing is that failure is still something that you guys want to make sure that you don't uh, let that jump, uh, wallow in that. You get your behind back up and you get that house. So that's just part two of our market forecast. We're so glad you guys listened to both parts. Uh, like you said, you can catch us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, IG. Uh, we answer every question. If something that we said you didn't understand, please DM us, uh, ask our questions. We we give you a detailed answer how you get in there. Uh, like I said, my name is Quincy Edwards. Thank you for watching. My Real Estate Mistakes. Thank you.